The following content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. And hello, everyone. My name is Marina Sprocky Spriggs, and I want to welcome you to Always Another Way podcast. I have a master's in professional counseling. I'm the Ippy award-winning author of Stop Looking for a Husband, Find the Love of Your Life, and Nasty Divorce, A Kid's Eye View. I write positive divorce advice for the HuffPost, and I'm trained in clinical hypnosis. And this podcast speaks to out-of-the-box thinkers, and it's for those who hear the call of hope and always another way. And if you're very rigid and set in your beliefs, this is probably not your cup of tea. However, you should note, taste can, and do change. And today we're gonna to be talking about domestic violence and just about how many people are truly, truly affected by that. And I just want to read to you some national statistics. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. So TikTok, since we've been on, 40 or more people. So during one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in three women and one in four men have been victims of some sort of physical violence by an intimate partner within their lifetime. One in seven women and one in 18 men have been stalked by an intimate partner during their lifetime to a point in which they felt very fearful or believed that someone close to them would be harmed or killed. And on a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. And I don't know, but that sounds like an epidemic to me. 20,000 calls per day of somebody thinking that they are in a domestic violence situation. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crimes. And did you know that if you are a woman, your chances of being murdered are more likely by someone you know, not an immigrant coming into this country. That's the truth. Domestic victimization is correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicidal behavior. And we could just go on and on. But also I wanna to talk to you about what's called the power and control wheel. And you can Google this and look this up because a lot of people think domestic violence, oh, you're physically hit. Well, it's more than that, <clears throat> excuse me. So on this power and control wheel, here are some things that constitute abuse. So one is using intimidation. So if anybody makes you afraid by using looks, actions, or gestures, smashing things, destroying property, abusing pets, or displaying weapons, that's domestic violence. Emotional abuse, putting you down, making you feel bad about yourself, name calling, 
making either her or him thinks that she's crazy, playing mind games, humiliating, making people feel guilty, also domestic violence, using isolation, controlling what he or she does, who they talk to, what they read, where they go, limiting outside involvement, and using jealousy to justify actions. That's domestic violence. Minimizing, denying, and blaming, making light of abuse. <gasps> that was just a joke. Uh, not taking your partner's concerns seriously, saying that abuse didn't happen, shifting the responsibility for abusive behavior, saying that your partner created it, that's domestic violence. Using children, making him or her feel guilty about the children, using children to relay messages, using visitation to harass him or her, and threatening to take the children away, that's domestic violence. Using male privilege, teaching her like a servant, making all the big decisions, acting like the master of the castle, and being the one to define both men's and women's roles, that's domestic violence. Using economic abuse, preventing her from getting or keeping a job, making her ask for money, giving her an allowance, taking their money, not letting her know about or have access to the family income, that's domestic violence. Using coercion and threats, making or carrying out threats to do something to hurt her, threatening to leave her or to commit suicide, to report him or her to welfare, and then make them drop charges, and then make the person do illegal things. That is also domestic violence. And so that being said, I, um, I meet people in all sorts of cool ways. And so um, Robin O'Brien, if you don't know her, she is the author of The Unhealthy Truth. And she is a super smart woman that speaks out about the food industry, what's being done to our food. And anyway, she talks about a lot of things. She had put up a, uh, a blog and she said, um, I'm so proud of my friend. So it's called Coming Clean, and it, you, know, you could see down it about like leaving a situation. And so I clicked on it, and whoa, when I read this blog post, it just it brought me back 20 years ago. And I talked about this last week on the podcast to a abusive situation that I was in. And then just seeing this woman's face, like, you know, and knowing that domestic violence knows no bounds. So it's not uneducated people. It's not poor people that end up in this. It is Every person could be a victim of domestic violence. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how educated, how many good relationships you were into before. Domestic violence can get you. So I want to bring on Peyton Turner, summa cum laude, master's in teaching, physician's assistant, heart surgeon, cardiologist, sister, daughter, friend, starter of charities, yoga instructor, aunt, niece, guest lecturer, writer, intuitive medium, and survivor. And welcome to the show, Peyton. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm so glad that we connected. And I just <laughs> like, just your, that just blog post was simply amazing. And you, Isn't it crazy how the universe works to connect people in fun ways? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So yeah. let's... um. Let's just begin. Okay. Yeah. So where do we so, want to start? Yeah. Where do you want to start? Uh, do you want to talk about the blog? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, thank you for the introduction. That um, That's, you know, straight off my blog, um, some 
you know, when I sat down to write this blog about my experience with leaving um, an abusive relationship, um, I thought about all of the things that um, identify me as me. You know, the fact that I am a daughter, I'm a friend, I am a cardiologist, I am a yoga, all those things that you just that you just listed. Um, and I think that the last thing that the majority of the people who know me would add to that list would be, you know, victim of abuse. Um, and I love that you say um, that it really um, knows no boundaries. Abuse, you know, it, it's not just for people who are poor, although it can affect them. It's not just for people who are rich or it can, I mean, it crosses like every line. And so um, I, you know, after I left uh, September of last year, my abusive relationship, and um, I started to kind of come out of the fog, I really started to write and the writing was very therapeutic for me. And my intention actually was to write a book. And I'd shared some of my writing with some close friends and I had a really good friend of mine who said, you know what, um, I, I know you wanna write a book, but I feel like this needs to be said now and shared now because I think there's a lot of people who can benefit from this. And so it was actually his suggestion to start a blog and I thought, okay, <laughs> so that's what I did. And you know, and here, and here we are now. My intent behind the blog actually was twofold. Um, the first um, and most important um, reason for the blog was to um, reach out to other women um, who may be going through or may have been through what I had gone through. Um, because what I, um, what I had when I left my abusive relationship was I had a lot of support from friends and family um, and from my coworkers and basically everybody in my life. Um, but I didn't have somebody like me who had been through it, who had come through on the other side, somebody that I could call and say, you know, hey, you know, what do I do here? Or what happened to you? Or, you know, just an example, basically, of somebody who had kind of, you know, already, already done the work and, um, and had come through, you know, on the other side. So that was the intent behind my blog. And then the secondary intent was actually just to help myself heal um, from, from everything. So I've really tried to, every time I write a blog post, I've really tried to just stick to the to that intent is to help others and, and, and in, by doing so, helping myself. I love so. that. And that's Thanks. just the truth of like, and, you know, maybe we could talk about like how, because maybe people have a misnomer of how people get into these things. Like, mm -hmm. how does it happen? And how does, you know, because it's not, you know, the way people think. And yeah, you mean how does it? How do people get themselves into an abusive relationship? Yes, and so if you want to talk yeah. about how did how did it begin? You know, what what was kind of the beginning of this? What were your yeah. thoughts going in? So there, I, and I, this is you know I can speak for myself, but it's I'm also speaking in generalities because it's you know the the cycle of abuse is it, it can it's pretty general. Yeah, you know it's, there's a there's a pretty predictable cycle um, that that can be applied to every abusive relationship. So. Even though I am speaking about my personal experience, it's it's a pretty general, you know, idea of what what abuse is like. But, you know, the cycle pretty much is, you know, you first meet somebody and everything's wonderful and beautiful, and you're being told like how amazing you are, and you're just swept off your feet. Um, and then there's usually some sort of, you know, you know, isolation type thing that kind of gets you away from your friends and family. And then there's here's the thing um, um, that I think is the most um, damaging and i think that's what hooks people in into staying and getting getting stuck in the cycle um when um i'm going to diverge a little bit here i went um, through a yoga teacher training program and one of the things that we do in that program is we um, um, identify our lie so everybody has a lie that they tell about themselves and so for me 
my lie was I am, and it's always an I am and an I am not statement. At least that's what we learned in the training. So um, I am a failure and I am not good enough are my two lies. And, you know, I'd identified that through the teacher training and all that kind of stuff. And I could see how that could apply to my life and, you know, where I got those lies and picked those up is a whole nother story. But the thing of the thing that I realized is about abuse is that the person who's doing the abusing finds those lies and capitalizes on them. And so that in turn makes the victim um, think it's their fault, even more so, <clears throat> even more so than just the words that are coming out of the abuser's mouth. So, you know, for me, that was the story. It was like, you know, and, and I think it's really unconscious, the, the act of finding the lie and then using that against the person. Um, but that's kind of what happens. And then, and then you get in, stuck in this cycle of, oh my gosh, you know, he says he loves me and, you know, things were so great and now things aren't great. And, and he's telling me it's my fault. Well, it must be my fault, you know, because I'm not good enough and, and I'm a failure. And so it just then it just kind of perpetuates from there. Yeah. And I think that's why people stay. I think it's because it's, you know, the nature of the abuse is that it finds your deepest, darkest fears about yourself and it confirms them. Yeah, just gets into that one little bit of truth that you just maybe just slightly believe. Yep. And they just hit upon that weakest point. Yep, that's right. And go for the kill. And then something that just because you just sort of brought it up, you know, how that how that happens and why it's just so important that we are talking about this. So, mm. you know, you've been in one, I've been in one. And at the beginning, while you're in it, let's talk about why people end up staying. Why not the first time somebody says something, you're like, what? That's crazy. Like, forget you. But we don't, right. you know? Well, yeah, but it doesn't start off like you, you don't have, it's very subtle and yeah. it's very insidious. And it doesn't start off with one day you're being bought flowers and taken to, you know, take, taken to a concert at a beautiful venue. And the next day you're being slapped across the face and thrown down the stairs. Right. Like it doesn't happen like that. It happens where, you know, all of a sudden the magic and the sparkle and the, you know, the, the, all the adoring attention that you get starts to slowly fade away. And, and it's slowly, slowly, slowly replaced by little tiny sayings and, um, and actions that simultaneously isolate you from friends and family or whoever else, you know, that might be a threat. And it also kind of slowly starts to work into your line and to work into your subconscious and your psyche where you kind of get a little, you know, I don't know, for me, I felt like I was just always a little off, you yeah. know, if for lack of a better description and also just a little more insecure. And so then you're coming from a place, all of a sudden you're coming from a place of insecurity and feeling small and not knowing yourself anymore. And then that's when you kind of, you're really stuck. <laughs> yeah. And then when you just get stuck in that, you know, so let's kind of move into that, like the stuck point that people get in. So it is, yeah. like you said, it's that, woo, the whirlwind romance, and then just little bit by bit, you know. Yeah. Mm, just like kind of this. my therapist, my therapist called it death by a thousand pinpricks. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> right. It's like a slow bleed, you know, like one pinprick doesn't really do it. But once you got a thousand, you're bleeding out like crazy. So, um, you know, yeah, people get stuck. You just get stuck. It is death by a thousand pinpricks. Yeah. And in that stuck state, like, tell me, you know, 
what that's what that's like internally you know that kind mm -hmm. of you know at least for me but i'll let you speak like that little bit of shame that hit me like so part of me is like mm, this doesn't feel right but i don't know but maybe it is me because you know my parents were divorced and i did this and you know those things but then okay. you know how that just gets you that middle part and can you tell mm -hmm. a little bit about that cycle that you go through yeah i mean it's for me, it felt, so you, you initially asked what it felt like. So for me, it felt like, well, for one, it felt like I was going crazy. Um, and it felt a lot like depression. Um, it felt like um, there were a lot of times where I felt like if I could just do better, then things would be different. Mm -hmm. You know, if I could just be a better homemaker, if I could be, and in reality, now I step back and look at it and I'm like, man, I was just like kicking ass. You know, I was doing you know, great things with my job and great things with, you know, building a charity and all these other things, you know, and making dinner and going to the grocery and doing laundry and all doing all these things, you know, not perfectly, but still. And I still felt like if I could just do those things better, then, um, then he would, things would be okay at home. And, um, and it just didn't matter, you know, it didn't matter how much, you know, um, how much I did X, Y, or Z the right way or the wrong way. It didn't matter. You know, and then you get to a point where you kind of are depressed and you're probably on an antidepressant or something, and then you don't feel like doing anything. And then it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah. Like you get so low that, that now all of a sudden you're, you become what the person said you were that you weren't to begin with. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then so, from, and, okay. and so then what happens is like, for me, the way that it happened is that, you know, I would go through these cycles of just feeling just so low and so bad and all this kind of stuff. And then. I don't know if it's because the abuse just got to be so blatant or I think that's kind of what it was, but then there's also this kind of like aha moment where it's like all of a sudden the fire inside you lights up again and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't right. You know, this is not right. Like this is so blatantly wrong um, that that little like pilot light that, that was for, fortunately for me stayed lit the entire time um, kind of like kicks back in again and ignites a new flame. And that's when, for me at least, that I would be like, okay, wait, you know, try to reason with the person, um, leave, you know, I uh, left probably, I think I left six times before the final seventh time, um, even if it was just to go to stay at a hotel or a friend's house for the night, you know, um, and you kind of get that kick back in, you know, like you get, you get your fight back yeah. and you start to remember who you were and who you are. And then you get away from it. You get space from it because I, for me, I physically removed myself from, from the home so many times. And then, then then they realize that you're serious and they they then you then you start back at the beginning of the cycle you know just i love you so much and you know please come home and we can work it out and that's what you want to hear because you love this person yeah you know like i truly loved my ex and i still do you know there's part of me that still does um so so then you go back and then and but you're not fully healed and they're not fully healed and you go back and the whole thing starts all over again <laughs> yeah that's what i wanted to talk about is that like how hard is it to really get out because people stay in these situations for a long, long, long period of time. And there's a reason yeah. why yeah. it's not just one person that does it. It's almost everybody yeah. that cannot immediately get out. And you touched upon it a little bit is that you go to leave. And so what like, um, so maybe if you could talk about one of those times, like what it was that you're like, okay, you know what, forget this. And then how it kind of mm -hmm. tricked you back. I mean, Here's the thing. I think that um, my ex, I think that he had good intentions. I think that he loved me as much as he was capable of loving me. And I think that um, 
how do I want to put this? Um, I think that every time I would come back, I felt, and maybe to some extent he felt like there was a genuine chance that we could get things working, you know, and, and move forward. I was actively in therapy the whole, the entire time. Um, and maybe if, you know, um, he had also, you know, joined in therapy like sooner along in the game, then maybe I wouldn't be sitting here in this position. I don't know. Um, but you just, you get drawn back in because it's the same thing that drew you to them in the first place. You know, they, they put their best foot forward and they show you their light and you fall in love with the light. And, um, you love the fact that they're telling you all the right things and it's really hitting all those really feel good receptors in your body. And, um, and nobody wants to be alone. And so, you know, even though you're empowered when you leave and, you know, you're, you're on this adrenaline rush, when you finally are away for a while, you're like, oh my God, what's happening? You know, like, do I really want to like end this? Do I really want to change my entire life? Do I really want to like turn everything upside down? He's saying he's going to change and I, and I think that he will. And so I'll just give it one more shot. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then there's always in the back of your mind, you're always thinking it was my fault. So that too, it's like, well, if it's my fault, well, then if I can change, then things will be fine. Um, so yeah, so you just get, you just go back. Yeah. Somebody told me I had a really good friend, you know, I have to say, I said at the beginning that I didn't have anybody who'd been on the other side, but I did have some support and a really good friend who used to work at a place called the center for women and families here in town. And, um, she used to work with women who were victims of abuse all the time. And so, you know, she gave me some you know, some advice. And one of the things that she told me is that the average number of times that women leave or men, because there are men out there who abuse as well, the average number of times that a person leaves is between seven and nine before they leave for the, for the last time. Wow. And that's, it's either five to seven or seven to nine, something along those. So I, I hit it seven. <laughs> yeah. It's good yeah. statistic made, made the mark there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, um, and so when you get to that final time, the final time yeah. where you don't know it's the final time yet, but mm -hmm. it is like kind of what happened, or maybe you can say for you, what helped you finally see, you know, because everybody's not all bad. Like you said, nobody's just sheer evil. Yeah. There's that reason, you know, the things that you do love, mm -hmm. but then how did you finally weigh like, okay, like this person has some really good qualities, yeah, but also some really bad qualities or things yes. that us together, sure. like, uh, how did you finally come to that final point? What led you up to there? Yeah. So I think that um, one thing that I noticed, there's a couple things about what how, how I led up to the last time. Um, I noticed that the cycle started cycling faster. So whereas before it may have been a six month or a year cycle, now it was cycling around every three months. Um, and so that was kind of the fact that it was escalating to me was kind of a, a warning sign. Um, number two, um, and I speak about this on my blog post, there's, um, there's something that really helped me actually from Harry Potter. There's a quote, um, where Sirius Black tells Harry Potter, um, he says, Harry, you know, the world is not divided into good people and death eaters or good people and bad people. Everybody has light and dark within them. It's what you choose to act on. That's who you truly are. And so that really helped me realize that my ex was, there is light in there and that's what I fell in love with. Um, but he was choosing to act on the darkness and I, there's nothing I could do to make him do anything different. And then the third thing is, what is that quote? It's like the best, well, two things, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I'd been doing the same thing over and over again, getting the same result. And I knew, I just knew, I mean, it just, 
they talk about the light bulb moment or when the the, the light switch flips. I mean, I just knew that I, this is this was it. You know, things were not going to change. I've done everything that I, and I was really proud of myself that I had done everything that I could do. Right. I really believe that. I mean, I feel like, you know, I, I was, I was with him for 17 years and I really truly believe that there, I did everything that I could do. And I feel really complete with that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that if I had left 10 years prior, um, that it would have been the wrong thing to do. You know, it certainly wouldn't have been, but for me, at least I can say, you know, I like literally tried everything. Um, and so that last moment was just kind of like, well, you know, I remember walking my dog through the park, crying again, yeah. and saying to myself, wow, it was a, it had been a particularly bad night the night before. And I remember saying to myself, do I want to be walking through this park crying 10 years from now? And the answer was no. Wow. And then I said, do I want to be walking through this park crying six months from now? And the answer was no. And then I'm like, well, what am I waiting for? Wow. So that was, that was, I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden this like, this like peaceful calm comes over you and you get into, okay, what do I need to do now mode? Yeah. Um, and then it's just kind of like, get your ducks in a row, take the emotion out of it and just do, do what you need to do and start to rally the troops. Yeah. And so, and we so, will just like give a warning when people leave domestic violence relationships and there can be people that have never been violent before that can be, that it is that's right. definitely a time that you really want to have support and help because that's when these people get desperate. Well, and that's, that's very true. And my ex was never physically abusive to me. Um, however, I remember my friend that worked for the center for women and families when I was, you know, we were planning for me to leave. And she said, well, if you decide to have a conversation with him, um, th that you're leaving, then you want to do it, um, in, in like a living room or a bedroom. And I said, why? And she said, because there are no sharp corners or sharp, sharp objects in living rooms and bedrooms. You don't want to have that conversation in a kitchen or, or a bathroom. Wow. And I thought, oh, are we allowed to cuss on this podcast? Oh, yeah. You can okay, drop thought, bombs all you want. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, wow. And you never want to think. And, and, I, and I still, to this day, I would say, I, I, I don't, I, I would hope that he never would have hit me. I mean, because I just hope that, but you just never know. And I'm you like, never know. you know, every, every, every Dateline episode starts out just like this, you know, and women end up, you know, in, in really bad, bad places. So um, that really kind of, for me was just like an, another big giant red flag wake up call like wow this is serious because you spend so much time at least i spent so much time really doubting myself really saying to myself is this really happening yeah. um is this really abuse um because it's just so um it's so subtle and it's so sneaky the way that it, it gets into every pore of your body yeah. um and so there was there was a lot a lot of of those years where me spent saying i know something's not right but i don't I can't believe that I would get in a position where I'm being abused. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Let's like, so a question for that, that thing where you're like, I don't, I don't know if it, if, is it, is it not? Mm -hmm. Do you think this is just like an off the cuff question mm -hmm. that if you have to ask that, it's probably true. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, you know what I, I mean? Guess. Like, do you ever like, we have a phone conversation. You're like, eh, no, 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 it's a little shaky, you know, or, yeah. do you, or do you only say that in situations where, in hindsight, it's a little shaky. Right. I don't know. I, mean, you know? I, honestly, I don't know how to answer that question. I, I mean, because I didn't have the experience of, of not, you know, the opposite experience. I, I just, 
Have you uh, asked that about anybody else that you have been in contact with in your life? Like, is this abuse or not abuse? Any other relationships you've had? No, I mean, I can look back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still fresh out of this. I've only been gone for a year and only divorced since May of this year. So yeah. I'm still kind of fresh out of it. I can look back on um, other relationships I'd had prior um, that didn't last nearly as long, but they were like high school relationships and college things that they, yeah. you know, they maybe could have qualified, but, but, you know, you're in your teens and your twenties and it's just kind of like, everything's all over the place. So you really don't, you know, I, I think for me, it was not until you until you got like a house and, you know, priorities and a life together that you're just like, Whoa, okay. You know, this is, I don't know. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah. It's hard to, it's super hard to define. Yeah. It's super hard to define. And I, and I say to myself all the time, well, at least I wasn't, you know, hit, you know, maybe, or maybe if I had bruises, then it would have been easier to leave. And I don't know that that's true. You know, I don't know that's true. I was never physically abused, thank, you know, thankfully. So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true, but the, the, I do know that the nature of the emotional and, and verbal and kind of, you know, mental abuse is such that it's nobody sees it, but you. Yeah. And like, that, that's what I think makes it actually a little bit, well, we're not going to like quantify like who's got the best or worst uh, trauma, but yeah. something about that is, that. Yeah. I would say, at least from the physical perspective, you can physically see this happened. There's no doubting it. Punched in the right. face, black eye. There's no question. You can see it right. in the mirror. That's right. But and maybe other people, other people can see it, right? Like, so you walk into, you know, walk into work and you got a black eye, you got to tell people why you got it, mm -hmm. you know, or, or make up. But, but the, um, the subtlety of the, and now, now that I'm on the other side and I'll talk to friends and they'll be like, yeah, we always kind of thought that something wasn't right. Um, you know, the, at least the friends who didn't know what was going on. I had a few close friends that I, you know, in whom I confided that knew, you yeah. know, that knew what was going on. But, um, but still it's just, the nature of it is just so insidious and it happens when you're alone, which is the two of you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it happens in such a way that you really doubt yourself and you think you're going crazy. One tip, one tip that I would say, and I wrote down some things before this podcast, but one thing that I would suggest that was helpful for me, if you think that you might be in an abusive relationship is after there's an episode, write it down, like write exactly down what happened, like all the facts, like, you know, oh, he, you know, he, he picked up the hamburger and he put it on the grill and whatever, just write the facts down. And so that the next day when you're out of the emotion at all, of it all, you can go back and look and say, yeah, this really happened, you know? Because it's what I found for me is that after there, you know, there would be, you know, an episode that the next day, you know, when I'd wake up, my emotions were just all, you know, was exhausted. And I'd look back on, on what had happened the day before and think, was that a dream? I mean, did that really happen? Yeah. You know, and, and it, you kind of twisted it. It's really weird what your mind does. Um, so when I started writing things down and then I'd go back and reread them, you know, in, in the days or weeks that would follow, that was when for me, I was like, oh yeah, you know, something's not right here. That's a very good, well, let's go with the tips. Like what can people, because it is just so insidious and, you know, almost everybody says they're made to feel crazy. I felt that way too. Just like, don't know, it's, it's me and that. What are, what are yeah. some good advice and things that you have that you, that you want to share? Sure. I think that the biggest, biggest piece of advice that I can give is to trust your gut. And that's really hard for women. To, it's hard for a lot of people to do, and it's hard for women to do, especially, but um, there's a book called, um, soul retrieval by Sand. actually, I've got it right here. It's called soul retrieval by Sandra Ingerman. Okay. And she is um, a shaman, something I'm interested in. And so I was, you know, kind of reading her book and she talks about how you can learn how to trust your intuition. And <clears throat> of course I, I, I realized this, read this book after I left, but it's so true. 
So if you can do this exercise that she recommends, you sit in a chair, you take some deep cleansing breaths and you imagine something that you know that you love unconditionally standing in front of you. So for me, it would be like my niece or nephew or my dog. And you sit there and you imagine yourself telling this thing that you love, how much you love it. You know, I love you so much and you're so special to me and you make my life so wonderful. And, and just basically telling this thing that you love, how much you love it. And then think about and then notice how that feels in your body. Mm-hmm. So that's when something's right, right? And that feeling in your body is your cue that something's right. And so for most people, it's like a warm feeling, a feeling of peace and calm, a feeling of you know, like being wrapped in a, a warm embrace, like that's what it feels like in your body. Then you walk around the house, do what you need to do for 10 minutes, come back, sit down, take some deep breaths, and then imagine that same object, that same person sitting in front of you, but now tell it how much you hate it and how terrible it is and say terrible things about it to its face. And then notice how that feels in your body. Mm. That's a sign, that's your body sign that something is wrong. So for me, it's like a feeling in the pit. It's like an uneasiness in the pit of my stomach or like a tightness in my chest or just kind of like feeling like I need to move around. Like that's your intuition telling you that something is not right. Yeah. Um, so if you can really tune into your body um, and how your body is speaking to you, um, then you can look at any situation and say, you know, is this right or is this wrong? It, could, it doesn't have to be about a, 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 a relationship. It can be you know, I did it when I just bought my house, you know, I sat down and, you know, really got quiet and said, is this something that I need to be doing? And and the feeling that I got was that it was right. So I went with it. Um, or it could be about taking a new job, you know, anything, you can apply it to anything. I love so that. yeah, it's so great. I mean, I, I read that and I was like, oh, <laughs> this is perfect. <sighs> so yeah, so I think the first thing is to really, really trust your own intuition and your own gut, because at the end of the day, you're going to have a lot of people telling you what to do and what they think. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else tells you to do. You've got to do what's right for you. And if you don't know what's right for you, then you're never going to you're never going to figure it out. So trusting your own gut and your own intuition is as a means to figuring out what's right for you um, is the first first most important step. Awesome. Yeah. And then at uh, least go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, making sure. So for me. What was really helpful was making sure that I reconnected with people who knew me before I was with my ex, people who knew me when I was me. Yeah. Because there's a certain part of, a, um, of, of abuse where you lose yourself and you lose your identity. And I've had to do a lot of um, apologizing to myself for things that I did when I was being abused that weren't, um, that weren't really characteristic of who I am because I was just in a bad place. So if you can reconnect with people who um, knew you from before and who are good, healthy people and people who love you um, and, and, and just start reconnecting and bringing your community around you, that's very helpful as well. Um, Cause you got to build a community, you know, you, and more than just one person, you know, you got to have a support system more than just one person because I wore my friends out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wore their asses out and they did it because they loved me, but I at least had, you know, a handful of people to spread it. <laughs> yeah. spread it, you know, because you will. And it's exhausting for your friends and family to, to watch you go through this. And it was exhausting for them to watch me go back and go back and go back, you know, and then have the same conversations with them over and over again. And God love them. They just stuck by me the entire time and because they love me. Yeah. So you got to build a community and a support system. Um, the third thing, get yourself a counselor, a therapist who is versed in abuse. If you think you're in an abusive relationship. Um, I know there are a lot of very well-meaning therapists out there. Um, who 
feel like keeping the marriage together or the relationship together is is the best thing to do. And um, there may be a chance for you to to do, for that to happen. Um, but if you're truly in an abusive relationship, then you probably need to get out and you need to be with a therapist who's going to support you in your decision to leave. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that was key for me as well. Absolutely. And then, so let's see, so we've got these good tips. What's the other side like when oh, you finally it's great. Come, it's great. You come out of that fog? The further, yeah. I mean, the further away um, I get from the situation, um, the better that life gets. Not that there aren't days where I'm triggered by a memory or interestingly enough, um, there are, there have been times since I left where I have been treated really well. And that's very triggering because it's like, oh my God, like, did you do this nice thing for me? And that's just normal. Like I didn't get that the entire time I was with this other person. And that the fact that I was being treated well was kind of triggering memories of, you know, of the abuse. But um, you know, there are days where that are, you know, are sometimes difficult, but for the most part, like it's just been, it's been really great. You know, I feel like I have, I feel like I have myself back again. I have my family back, you know, I've completely reconnected with my sister, especially who we had a really rough time. Um, we had a really rough time. Um, and so you know, my sister and I did, so we, we've reconnected and, and, and we feel like, I feel like I've got my, my, my soul back basically. Um, and I've been really super fortunate. I've just been, you know, surrounded by and supported by people in every, every aspect of my life at the yoga studio where I teach and practice at my job has been fantastic. And all my coworkers are so supportive, all my friends and family, um, you know, meeting people like you, um, it's just, you know, when you start, here's the thing, when you start living your authentic life and following your own truth, then everything starts to fall into place. It's when you're living an inauthentic life and you're not following your truth that, that there's nothing but discord around you. And I believe that 100% to be true. I do. Not too. that bad things don't happen, not that you don't have bad days, not that you don't get thrown, you know, a wrench every now and then, but really honestly, like the good starts to build on the good and, and, and really fantastic doors start to open. I love that. And there's just Thanks. so many people that are just sitting just silently in situations like this, feeling mm -hmm. crazy, feeling bad. But the more that we just talk about this and mm -hmm. see and share your story because, you know, and you sat in silence for a long time, you know, yeah. of just blaming yourself. And just when I see like just the bright light in you mm -hmm. um, and I love and I have a personal thing that um, women that come out of abusive situations really are more powerful than ever. Yeah. Because you know, I've actually been able to wrap a lot of gratitude around the whole situation because it has given me the opportunity to help other people. And I also, you know, something else that was helpful for me too, was to realize that the, my ex is not a terrible human being, although he's done things that are not very nice and he has his own journey. And you know, I think a lot of women who get themselves into an abusive relationship are, they want to fix everything. They want to fix other people. They want to help other people. They, you know, they want, you know, they're, they're healers like me and, you know, nurturers. And, um, at some point you just have to realize that it's not your job. Yeah. It's your job to fix that person. And I think I found when I finally realized that it wasn't my job anymore, and not only was it not my job, but even if it was my job, I would have failed at it because you can't do that. 
you just can't do that for somebody else. They have to want to do it themselves. Yeah. And so I, I really, I wish, I wish him nothing but the best on his journey. And I, and I hope that, you know, I, I do think that even though I know it was extremely hard on him for me to leave, I do think that he has found some degree of, um, of healing because I left. And if I had stayed that, that degree of healing wouldn't have happened. And so my, my hope is that, that, that journey continues for him, but it's, but again, it's his journey and, I, and I, now I've got my journey. Yeah. So it's okay to have separate journeys. It's, it is mm -hmm. okay to have separate journeys. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then anything else as we just get ready to mm -hmm. wrap up that you want to say, and then we'll just let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I think, I think I've pretty much said it all. I mean, really, honestly, life on the other side is, is fantastic. And, um, and it, and it gets better and better every day. Um, I'm really like super excited. Here's the thing. Um, I have no idea what's coming around the corner. Um, however, I, I, I did a meditation once and I imagine I, I saw my whole life like a landscape, right? And I was this eagle flying above my life. And I saw my life before my relationship, my abusive relationship. And, and then I saw that, that my relationship as this just dark forest. And so I saw myself walking, 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 walking into the dark forest and then coming out on the other side with nothing but like open, open fields and mountains and beautiful things on the other side. And you, you just gotta, sometimes you just gotta walk through the dark forest and get out on the other side before you really truly um, can appreciate like the beauty of what, of what life has in store for you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. So there, if, if you're, if you're out there and if you're a woman who's, who's struggling and suffering and just understand, like, try to like, try to be the eagle literally and like soar up above your life and realize that you're stuck in one little tiny moment of time in the great, in the, in the grand scheme of the landscape of your life and that you do have power and you can take control is as difficult as it may seem. Um, and you can get to the other side and you can get out of that darkness into the light. And how good does freedom feel? Yeah, it feels pretty good. It feels amazing. I move into my own house tomorrow. My Yay! house. My house. Aww. And it's perfect. And it's got a great story behind it. Um, yeah, it's great. I love it. And you're just going to yeah. be unstoppable. That's so unstoppable. awesome. So, yes, so um, tell everybody your blog and everything where they can find you if they want to do yeah, yoga with you. <laughs> yeah, www.comingclean.me, M-E. Uh, I think comingclean.com was like a like some mops or something <laughs> when I chose the website. And um, and yeah, you can contact me there. You can subscribe to my blog, so it'll come to your email. I try to post once a week. Um, if you're in um, if you're in my hometown, I go to 502 Power Yoga. Um, that saved my life, literally. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. And it is, and you are just such a beautiful writer, Peyton. I mean, really Thank just you. like eloquent with words. Um, your stories come to life and I've loved yeah. every bog, bog post, blog post <laughs> blah, that, blah, blah. that you have, <laughs> that you have written. I mean, you're just such a beautiful writer. Thank you. And, um, for all of you listening, excuse me, that are in a situation like this, um, definitely you can call the hotline. You can just Google the hotline.org. It will send you a number. It will send you a bunch of resources and listen to this, pass it along to your friends and we can begin to break the silence of domestic violence. Thank you, Marina. Thank you so much, Peyton. And I just can't wait to hear more of you and uh, you're just gonna keep flying high. And for everybody listening, you know that there is always another way.